0: If you're looking for ways to prioritize your health and fitness, run more efficiently, understand food, and somehow fit it all into a fun and family-centered life, you're in the right place.
1: This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 40 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Can you believe we've made it to 40 episodes already? This is impressive. I know. So our topic for today stems from an old Buddhist saying that, and the Buddhist saying goes, before you become enlightened, it's your job to chop wood and carry water. Am I phrasing that correctly I'm paraphrasing I'm sure yeah you got you got right.
1: a lot of words to it it's a very short statement i mean the statement is something to the effect of before enlightenment chop wood carry water there's not a lot of uh Extra words thrown in there. Oh, no,
0: surprise, surprise! <laughs> I added more words where it wasn't yeah. necessary. <laughs> yeah.
1: Be- before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water.
0: Okay, and how does that relate to running?
1: Uh, it's the idea that whether you've you've reached your goal, you're on your way to the goal, whatever point in the in the season of training you're at, there are fundamentals that you need to do. the The key is that you have to keep putting in the work.
0: Right, and so. Kevin came up with this phrase the other day. I forget why you even brought it up. Do you remember?
1: Mm, It was not related to running.
0: Right. And so I just said, oh, I like that a lot. We should make a podcast. And so... So
1: I made an outline. Here
0: we are. (laughs) So let's see how this goes. So chop wood carry water basically what that's saying like kevin said it's all about the fundamentals of the daily work you know back in the day when buddha lived like they had to chop wood and they had to go down to the to the stream they had to walk miles with jugs on their head right and then come back with it just reminds me of the jungle book but anyway <laughs> Mowgli. so um and that's what they had to do every day in order for them to survive they had to chop wood so that they could make fires and stay warm and they had to go down and get water and bring it back every single day. Otherwise, they wouldn't survive.
1: And and that's what everybody had to do. It didn't really matter what position you were in. Those were the things that had to get done during the course of the day.
0: Yeah, but if you're a sultan, you're not doing that.
1: Well, no, but I mean it's still the stuff that has to get taken care of. Right.
0: Somebody's got to do someone's it. Someone's
1: got to do the work. Right. And it's it's not cool. It's not the the work that you're going to brag about. Oh, well, I, I made sure I got that done. Like, I'm, you don't see a lot of people posting on their Instagram, oh, mowed the lawn, and yet everybody has to get their lawn mowed and taken care of.
0: Or just pay somebody else to do it. Sure. But <laughs> someone's
1: got to mow the lawn. Someone's
0: got to mow the lawn. It doesn't just magically mow itself. Right. Right. So... That's part of what we wanted to talk about today is just all of the ho-hum, slumity-slum daily activities that we need to do in order to support ourselves as runners and as parents as well i think there's a lot of relation to parenting
1: oh yeah there's a big parenting aspect to this one i mean it's the it's the stuff that has to get done you gotta you gotta make the kids lunch and pack it up and well you have to make the kids lunch and pack (laughs) it up i i don't take care of that one um but someone's got to put it put it together the kid's not eating and it's not like up and and let's snap a selfie of making the lunch but it still has to get done
0: right and do the dishes and empty the dishwasher fold the laundry oh the laundry and then
1: fold the laundry some more and oh, fold the laundry, the laundry some laundry,
0: more the never-ending <laughs> laundry anyway okay let's let's go back to running all right so so number one the the big thing that we should start to think about here is to avoid the allure of the internet worthy workout i like the way you phrase that <laughs> in your outline
1: well i mean there's a couple of different sites that i i like to look on and they're they're fun. You know, the one gives you workout Wednesdays and I got another one that has literally workout of the day. Every single day they post a workout and no one's ever posting went for an easy 10 miler, did some drills afterwards, foam rolled. Like
0: I see that though on on some of my Instagram people that I follow, follow.
1: Okay, but most of them on on the like the big like flow track I think has one where every Wednesday they come out and it's it's some professionals superhuman effort or you know it's the college programs it it was the the repeat miles that they did and there are these phenomenal workouts that people put. It's not the weekly workouts posted is not the grind of just I had to
0: get in some mileage right and that's why the grind is so important though for for us to post that I know that I'm somewhat guilty of this as well on our Instagram page if if you guys don't follow us on Instagram you can check us out at real life runners and You know, I tend to post the workouts, the speed workouts, because like you said, those are like the sexier, more fun workouts to post. They look cool. Right. And, but that's also the things that I think that benefit a lot of people because a lot of people that run go out and they run and they don't necessarily incorporate some of the speed work into their routine, which can really help.
1: No, I mean, you're, you're totally true on that. I mean, but... To try and replace just, just going out and running and being able to look at somebody else and be like, oh, they posted another speed and they posted another speed. Maybe I should do that every day right. is going too far the other direction.
0: Right. And especially if you follow multiple people, they probably have different workouts on different days. So you might think to yourself, oh, I'll do that that person's workout this day, and I'll do that person's workout this day, and that can get you into a lot of trouble.
1: Oh, yeah. If you follow enough people, you could basically copy everybody and have a hard workout every single day.
0: Yeah, and that would last about a week or two.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I am a little bit guilty of this one myself. The Kipchoge, the super marathoner, mm-hmm. his – I think it was six weeks before the Berlin Marathon – training program was released. Mm. When you first look at that, you're not going in there and trying to be like, "Oh, what was his overall mileage? What did he do for?" You go in there and you're like, "Oh, what what, what were the work magic else? workouts?"
0: Right. What workouts did he do? He
1: doesn't have magic workouts. He puts in the work every single day. That right. was the biggest takeaway. Like if you really like took a step back and looked at it, it was phenomenal how consistent his workouts were. Right. It wasn't that something oh, oh, in week three, that workout stood out. It was the same stuff over and over and over again.
0: Right. And like you said, they just released the last six weeks. What about the last 20 years?
1: Yes, exactly. And that's that's another issue I've got with the whole workout Wednesday is there's no context. Uh-huh. And it's always magically, perfectly, successfully completed. Ooh. You know, oh, well, the goal was to do five by mile in five minutes. And the results were 455, 56, 53, 52. Like, oh perfect. They nailed it. And they were just slightly under on every single one of them. That's not what happens every time someone goes out there.
0: Not every time, but when it does happen, it feels darn good and And you want to brag about it. Yes.
1: And you'd like 7 million people to be able to see it as quick as possible. So you want to put that up there. But how many pro athletes put their workout? This was the plan and this was the result. Yeah, You know, oh, I was aiming for eight times a thousand. I got in three times a thousand at slower than average. And then I had five miles easy because I was done. For the day, right? You don't see that, you
0: don't see that as much. But I think that it is starting to come out a little bit more now with social media because I think that more and more people are gravitating towards people that are real. You know, not just the superhumans out there because these professional athletes are wonderful. And I mean, they are role models for all of us in so many ways, but their lives are not like our lives. And I think that that is a huge thing that a lot of people are gravitating towards is people that live real lives and are real. Yes. You know, and, and that's part of what we're trying to, to spread out there as well. Like it's okay if some of those workouts aren't ideal.
1: It it very much so. And if you look at some, even some of these, you know, professional athletes that post their workouts all over the place, you're starting to see the ones that have a bigger following are periodically posting this workout went terribly. Right.
0: Right. And I, and I think that people really appreciate that because then they know that even the pros have bad days as well.
1: It brings an actual connection because otherwise, you know, the the mid-packer or even the like age group category kind of person doesn't have any sort of actual feel towards the elite. They're just somebody who does these whole different workouts and everything always goes perfectly.
0: Right, right. And I think that part of the importance here is to understand the importance of your daily effort. So understanding that every day that you go out and run, you are becoming a better runner, even if The run does not go that well, even if you have to adjust the workout on the fly because you're not hitting your times, even if your schedule that day has you going out for just a quote unquote boring, easy run where you're just, you know, hitting an easy conversational pace that a lot of people call those junk miles, you know, that, but understanding that all of that is still important and all of that is making you a better runner.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you head out, you should have a a purpose for the day. You should have your short-term and your long-term goals in mind. That way, when you see something posted online of whatever the the new fad workout is, you're not like, oh, I need to completely abandon what I'm doing and focus purely on that because look at that person's abs.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some of those abs are (laughs) impressive though.
1: I know, but that doesn't mean that suddenly you should completely abandon your workout and just do three hours of core training every day.
0: Definitely not. I think... Number two, I think it's also important to listen to your body and understand that hard days are good and they definitely have a place, but so do the easy days. And I think that people are definitely starting to understand that a lot more now as well because there's the whole rest day brag on social media. Have you seen these like hashtag rest day brag where people are posting just how awesome their rest day is
1: yes yeah people are, will post you know the watch from the day before where they got in 60,000 steps right. and then their watch from the next day where they got in 600 yeah like yes way to go i mean it it's it is technically polarized training it's a hard day <laughs> and an easy day right. but i, I you know, there's the whole swinging pendulum of sometimes people get pushing too much and that might be a little too far the other direction. Yes, you need the balance of hard days and easy days, but there's extremes of everything.
0: Right. And those hard days are obviously important because they stress your body. And whenever you put a stress on your body, that kicks your body out of homeostasis, which is that sense of balance that your body always wants to be in. So when you add those stressful days and those hard workouts, you're putting a stress on your body and you're trying to force your body to adapt to that stress. But that adaptation doesn't occur until your easy day. Like when you are going out on those easy miles or those easy recovery days, that's when your body is actually starting to make some of those gains from those hard workouts.
1: Yeah, I know. I keep trying to teach this to, to our high school kids over and over again. I'm like growth happens because of the hard days, but it happens during the easy days. And the more research I do growth, growth happens because of the easy days. Also, it's just a different, it's a different stress on your body.
0: Absolutely.
1: Trying to go in and get like an easy distance run the day after a hard workout, your body's already depleted, Mm -hmm. you know, When like this weekend, I had a a long run and then a a shorter, easy run the next day. That workout the next day still counted for something. It was a nice, slow recovery pace for me, but I was still getting benefits from that because my body's trying to figure out what to do when the muscles that it wants to use are still tired from the day before.
0: Right. And you're also continuously building your aerobic base with all of those easy days as well.
1: Always building the aerobic base. And
0: that's just going to benefit you no matter what you're doing. Of course. However, I think that some people don't always make their easy days easy enough. You know, the hard days, they need to be hard. They need to be sufficiently hard for your body to adapt to, to something. They have to be hard enough that your body is forced to change. But then the easy days still need to be easy enough for you to actually recover. I think a lot of people get stuck in that um, trap where their easy days are more like moderate instead of easy Don't I get, you agree I get
1: trapped in this thing all the time, yeah. where it 's one of the reasons I really like having heart rate monitor connected to my watch right because I don't really care what the pace is. Like I, on, on a recovery run, I'm really not concerned what that number is.
0: You're not, but a lot of people are.
1: Right. I, but I know that sometimes
0: on, I am. And, I'm, and I'm,
1: I used to be a lot more concerned, but yeah. now I really, I have changed the screen of my watch so that all it does is put up my heart rate. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it beeps at me and tells me how fast each mile is, but mm-hmm. I almost never even look down when it tells me that. I look down periodically to make sure that my heart rate is still where I want it to be. I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel comfortable, but I don't have a person next to me to, like, chat with, so I, why don't I check my heart rate by looking at my wrist?
0: Right, yeah, and that that's definitely important to make sure that your body, not just the way that you're feeling i mean i mean, I do believe a lot about going by feel and we've talked about that and effort-based workouts and that kind of thing but also looking at your heart rate that is a very good indication of how hard or easy you are working on that given day
1: right and then you have to take into account that it's uh, seven billion degrees outside so your heart rate might be a little bit higher than normal over right. the course of the summer
0: yeah, but it, that that's still then adding to your easy day or your moderate day or what? Right, so you got to... Because it feels harder.
1: Yeah, so you got to pull it back. Easy, my Like pace-wise, easier than you even would normally go. It has right. to get slowed down extra so that your heart rate stays down below a certain level, keeps that effort where it should actually be.
0: Right, and that's why heart rate is such a good indicator versus the actual pace because heart rate is telling you how b- hard your body is working and that's why a lot of these program, training programs do go off of heart rate and give you the zones of, of where you should be with yeah. all of your pacing.
1: Whereas pace is throwing some numbers out there. It, it's way more precise than it should possibly be. Like there's too much gray area around it.
0: Right. So let's talk about these hard days that we're, that we were referring to.
1: Okay. So I've gone back and forth over years of coaching of how to incorporate like speed work and strength training and stuff like this. And I used to have kids on on like an easy day because their easy distance didn't take a huge amount of time. They would do their strength on the back end of, of an easy run. Mm-hmm. And one of my kids told me, um, Coach, it's just too much. There's never an easy because we go from a workout day to a strength day to another workout day.
0: One of your athletes pointed that out? Yeah.
1: Wow. It had been four years of coaching with this kid, mm-hmm. so they were comfortable enough to point out, I don't know if this plan is going to work for us because mm-hmm. – I I never feel fully recovered because every day has something hard. And so I like the idea of being able to try and combine the speed work and the strength onto the same day. It's just tough from a scheduling perspective.
0: I agree. And there's a lot of coaches and authorities out there that Um, advocate that same thing. Advocate doing your strength training on the same days as your hard workout days so that you really just go hard that day and then really allow the body an easy day to recover with a nice, easy, relaxed run or some cross training or something like that.
1: Or a couple of easy days. That's the thing. If you you stack hard upon hard on the same day, you might need two days to recover and Mm -hmm. that's okay because you got in your speed and your strength on that day. Now make sure that you have time to recover, even if that means you need a full rest day in there of not doing anything.
0: Right. But like you said, from a scheduling perspective and the fact that we're all real life runners with families and responsibilities, that's dedicating a lot of time because typically... (laughs) I need
1: these two and a half hours blocked out of my day now. Right.
0: I mean, because typically the speed workouts take a little bit longer than the regular just easy distance runs. I mean, you're running at a faster pace, but you also have to throw in recovery time and if if you're allowing for walking or anything like that. So sometimes those speed workouts take longer than the normal distance days.
1: Definitely. If you're really hitting that higher pace, when you hit walking breaks, the, the recovery time just really adds it up. Yeah. I mean, hill repeats that I was doing the other day, I was doing 200 meter hill repeats, but each repeat then it had two and a half minutes of walking. Right.
0: Your hard on was 30 seconds. Right. And then it was two 2.30 of walking.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm covering 200 meters, but it's taking me three minutes to do it.
0: Right. Well, 400 meters total. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's the only thing I think that a lot of us, as as parents and as you know people with jobs and whatnot, we where are we going to fit this all in? So I know that that is one of the things that is advocated is doing the speed work and the strength work on the same day. But I'll be honest with you guys, I don't do that. I I make mine. I alternate my days. You know, I my typical week is. Four days of running and two days of strength training with like weights and resistance and then one day of yoga. That's typically how I go. I really shoot for seven days a week of training because I like it that way. Every now and then I do try to throw in a rest day when I need it. Or when our schedule forces me to have a rest day.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely times though, as you get later in the week where you're starting to get pretty wiped out from that. You know, if you hit speed, then strength, and then speed again, you're pretty tired. I am. And I've known, I've known that you've, you've said it on like the second strength day of the week. Sometimes you're like, I, I just wasn't able to lift as hard as I wanted to that day, or I wasn't able to run as fast as I wanted to on the second speed day of the week.
0: Yes. And that's true. But I just basically tell myself that it's okay because I already got in a hard lift or a hard speed workout that week. So if my second strength session or my second speed session isn't as ideal as I would like it to be, I still know that I push myself hard enough on those first couple that my body's still adapting. My body is still changing.
1: And you're still putting in the work and moving forward. Like right. what you're doing is not—it's not a negative. By putting in something on that day, some speed, some strength, mm-hmm. it's still taking steps forward. Which is, I, I think, the point of this entire episode here right. is put in the work that you keep moving
0: forward. Right. Well, and one—one of, one of the other things I do also is alternate which body parts I work. So if I go hard on legs one day, then I'll do more arms the other day. Typically, my strength training days are more focused around arms because I feel like my legs get a lot of work during the running. So I do focus a lot of my strength training days on my arms and then also on my hip strength, trying to keep those hip stabilizers strong and my core strong too. But I know that when my body's tired, my later workouts in the week, they're just going to be a little bit easier and that's okay, you know, or they might be more... um, time-based versus repetition-based I'll do instead of forcing myself to do 10 repetitions of each exercise I'll say okay I'm going to go for 30 seconds and however many reps I get in then that's what I get in and I'll allow myself to go at a little bit of a slower pace or I'll throw in some hit um, training to stress more of the cardio system for, during that workout versus just purely strength training that day.
1: Which, which makes sense. And I mean, we kind of personal anecdoted it and moved into point three, which is whatever you're doing, put in the work and just keep showing up. Yeah. You know, greatness doesn't usually come from massive leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, well, I was at a good point and then I took three giant leaps forward. Greatness comes by tiny little steps consistently done over and over and over again. And suddenly you look around and the distance you've covered is phenomenal. Like, like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm a lot further forward than I thought I was. It's the consistency that matters. Yeah,
0: I agree. You know, yesterday I was out with a couple of my friends and we were just chatting and I forget how it came up, but we were talking just about insecurities and, you know, our bodies and that kind of thing. And both of them said to me, you know, Ange, your body is looking amazing. You know, I, I can definitely tell a, a major difference between now and a couple of years ago. And I said, really? You know, be, and that made me feel really good because when it's you, you don't always recognize the, the, dis, dif, the differences that are there. Yeah, you can't see it because
1: you see every single day. I, and I see
0: every day and I look in the mirror every single day and I step on the scale every single day. And if the number is not exactly what I want, I'm critical of myself. And if my stomach isn't looking exactly the way I want it to, I'm critical of myself. And, you know, and then you, you hear it from somebody else's perspective and that is so refreshing because most of the times we are so hypercritical of ourselves and we see ourselves a lot worse than other people see us.
1: Right. Whereas if you have been putting in this work, you're probably making huge progress forward in terms of your health and how you're physically looking and things like that. Yeah. And you just need someone who hasn't seen you in a little while to show up and be like, hey, wow, look at that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes you feel really good. So uh- go ahead.
1: All right, so one of the other things in this is I really, I wanted to take a second and discuss the point of junk miles Mm. because I don't think they exist. So
0: what is a junk mile?
1: Well, it depends on who you ask. Some people, anytime they go off on an easy run, that's their junk mileage. You know, of whatever the distance is. Oh, I got in. You know, just had to get in some mileage today. Got in a junk ten miler. That's a lot of mileage. That's that's got some serious cardio benefit to it. Oh,
0: one of our followers on our web or on our Facebook page, I think, he posted a run one day that was like eighteen junk miles. I was like, eighteen? That's a lot of junk miles. <laughs> no,
1: not not junk miles. Like there there is worthwhile a lot of cardio worthwhile to that. It's it's not really junk. So that's that's one interpretation. That's one definition definition anything that's slow people just refer to as junk miles
0: and junk miles are awesome
1: yes junk miles are like the core of basically every training program if you if anything that's easy you consider a junk mile then your entire program is based around junk
0: right and (laughs) so basically our argument is it's time to give that another name because they're definitely not junk
1: Right. So the other interpretation, and this is kind of where I used to have my, my mindset comes from early Jack Daniels training, where he basically had said, if you're going to go on an easy day, it needs to be this easy. And if you're going to go on a hard day, it needs to be this hard. And he sort of had this like gap in the middle where he was like, don't ever train in here. It's the dangerous gap. It's too fast to be. Easy in recovery, but it's too slow to be gaining the benefits from. Yeah.
0: That's... I remember you talking about that all the time.
1: Right the more The more research is done, and the, the newest edition of like jack daniels running formula the like the latest version of it that is more up to date he's kind of relaxed and the pyramid that he drew on the original one that had this like zone in the middle that said never run here it's it's blended, and the fast one kind of grew a little bit back, and the slow one kind of creeped creeped a little bit up, and he's essentially acknowledged that all running has benefits, that there is not a gap in the middle, that you shouldn't do all of your running at that point, but that there's nowhere on the spectrum that is completely worthless miles.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Because miles are still miles. Miles are still miles. and, And the more miles you put on your legs, the better runner you're going to become for the most part. I mean, there's obviously um, caveats to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, he still definitely overdo it. He still argues, you know, the, in, in favor of polarization that you need to be on the two sides. It's just that there's, there's so much research that says if you, if you do a bunch of work in the middle that you still do in fact you know, physically advance forward. Mm -hmm.
0: And that leads us into a good discussion about the 80-20 principle that a lot of people are talking about nowadays. Ah, yes. So the 80-20 principle basically says that 80% of your training should be the slow and steady, easy, unsexy stuff. And then 20% of your training should be the hard, high intensity things that are trying to push you out of your comfort zone.
1: Right. The stuff that you want to take a picture of and post. That's, that's only 20%. That's only, you know, it's a small portion and it's the other stuff that allows you to be able to do that 20%. It's, it's the the slower run it's getting in your drill work and your like your key strengths so that you don't get hurt so that you're capable of doing the 20%.
0: Yes and that those key mobility and strength things are so 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 important. So if you're not incorporating those into your weekly running routine, please start today. Like even if it's just like some incorporating some skipping or incorporating some planks and side planks, like start adding something else into your routine besides just running.
1: Yeah. It doesn't need to be overwhelming. Just pick a couple of things and put them in there. It goes back to the last point. It doesn't need to be this amazing thing that you add on. It's just a little bit, right? It's a little bit making small steps in a positive direction.
0: Right. All right. So let's move on to our final point. Point number four, Kevin, what do we got?
1: Once you reach a milestone in your performance... You need a new goal. You need a new direction and you got to keep working.
0: Okay. And that's just basically to help keep us motivated to keep training, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I remember I read a snippet of an interview with uh, Bob Kennedy, like a great American distance runner from the early to mid 90s. And he basically said that he put in this tons of work and became like the first American ever under 13 minutes in the 5k. He was like the standalone stud of American distance running. Mm -hmm. And then he stopped training that hard and he would get into these races and he was getting like spit out the back of the pack and he couldn't figure out what was going on. He's like, I put in all the work and it finally clicked (laughs) and it was like, oh wait, I put in all that work to get there. I need to put in as much work just to stay there.
0: Yeah, that's the key for sure. Getting there is the first battle and then staying there is the second battle and then advancing further on, that's the third battle.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you if you picture your goal as like trying to get to the top of a mountain, if you push a rock to the top of a mountain and then you don't keep pushing, it just rolls back.
0: I agree. But I think one thing that's worthy of pointing out here also is that a lot of people don't know where the top of the mountain is. And so they get to a point where they think they should be and they stay there instead of you know, asking the question, "Can I do a little bit more?"
1: Yeah. Well, what would happen if I tried just a little bit more? Right. How much higher can I climb?
0: Right. I, you know, mentally that's where they put themselves. Oh, I've run this many five Ks, and I've never been able to break twenty-five minutes. So I just that just must be my body's spot where it stays.
1: Yeah. Whereas if you if you try to maybe a slightly different training approach, you know, add in a few new things to it. Maybe you get a breakthrough.
0: Right. I, I mean, that happened to a friend of mine. Like that was the mentality that she had, and then we started doing speed workouts, and she broke that, broke broke through that with without a problem.
1: Yeah, you throw in. Uh- Either some change in your, your actual physical training or really hit on some more mental training and be able to, to mentally break down those barriers. Oh, that's a good and point. You see, it's it's suddenly it's a whole new level that opens up to you.
0: And sometimes it's the physical workouts that allow you to break those mental barriers.
1: Yeah, well I mean that's we've talked about that before of right. like the, the confidence building workouts yeah. of if I was able to crush that workout then wow, what am I capable of doing? And it's not that doing this workout automatically means you can do those results, but if doing that workout tells your brain you might be able to get to a new result, then it's worthwhile.
0: Yeah, for sure. So in summary, chop wood, carry water, right?
1: Yeah, put in the work and keep moving forward.
0: Yeah, and and don't forget that the daily grind is there for a reason, and that helps to advance us. It's important to continually try to do one thing a little bit better than the day before, and and that is for running and for life.
1: Yeah, for whatever you're looking at. Just right. do one thing that gets you a little bit further ahead than you were the day before.
0: Yeah, if you want to have a different life, if you want to be a different runner, if you want to make more of your career, your profession you need to do things differently than you're currently doing them. Because if you continue doing them right as you're doing them right now, that's exactly where you're going to stay. And you might be fine with that. But if you want to advance, you have to do all that, the chop wood and carry water, and then do one thing a little differently.
1: That's pretty much sums this whole thing up.
0: All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today for the show notes and resources. You can head over to the websites at com slash episode 40. And that will give you a nice little summary of our show today, as well as links to our Instagram page, our Facebook page um and also to the key west half marathon that we've got going on we've got a discount code for you if you want to come down to key west and join us there so head on over to the website realliferunnerspodcast.com and you'll be able to check out all the resources we have available we hope that you guys have an awesome week and we will talk to you next week